athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. I think very deeply. In about four seconds, a teacher will begin to speak. I think very deeply. As always, thank you for joining me on another edition of Box to Row. I am your host, Donald Ware. It is March Madness, emphasis on the word madness. I had UVA and I had both UVA um, and also I had Virginia, UVA. So I had UVA and Arizona, excuse me, UVA and Arizona in the Sweet 16 and both UVA and Arizona fell on day one. Okay. Uh, UVA, Virginia falling to Furman, which Listen, I look at Virginia this year, and uh, and listen, the ACC wasn't great. Virginia didn't have necessarily a great team. My thought on Virginia, however, was this is a defensive-minded team, and it was a team where it could at least make it to the elite six or the uh, Sweet Sixteen with defense, and that did not happen as uh, Furman defeated. UVA, but I think even the bigger shocker to me was Princeton defeating Arizona. Arizona, you know, sometimes those 13-4 and four matchups can be kind of tricky, and that Furman and UVA was a 13-4, but that, and, and it's not like it hasn't happened before where a 15 has beaten a 2, okay? Listen, I remember I was a student at Morgan State University cheering for the school Right back in 1997, that is like, I don't know how, how far, maybe Coppin State's maybe five miles or something from Morgan State, something like that up on North Avenue, uh, right? Uh, and it won its first round game and then almost won a sweet six or a, a, elite or a, a round of 32 game to get to the sweet 16. Was it probably a turnover away from getting to the sweet 16? So we've seen it happen before in 2001. We saw Hampton do it. You know, a little bit more recently, we saw Norfolk State do it. What was that back in 2012? So it's not like it hasn't. And, and, and that's just the HB on the HBCU side. That, that didn't even count the other side. I mean, we did see UVA a couple of years ago lose to UMBC, which one thing that had never happened before was a 16 beating a one. And of course, it was UVA that uh, that became the first for that. But then, of course, UVA came back. I think it was the next year and won the national championship. But I never saw that coming. I certainly did not see Arizona winning. I, I But again, both teams I had being beat in the Sweet 16. But, I mean, my bracket's not looking great to this point. And we're going to talk some more NCAA basketball today here on 
the program. Had a great time at the Stay Well HBCU Symposium last week. We did a live show from the SWAC tournament, right? Championship Saturday. It was a, a great time. Great show. Had a chance to catch up with Santoria Black, who's been the play-by-play voice for Grambling for almost 30 years now. We had a really, really good conversation, um, and we, we talked a lot about, you know, got his thoughts on Deion Sanders and the SWAC and, and, and about, uh, you know, about Grambling and, and uh, some other topics of conversation. Appreciate Santoria Black coming, but it's a great, just a great uh Great time, right? My first SWAC tournament. It was the first time I was at the SWAC tournament. And listen, so now I've been to all four of the eight, well, I should say four of the HBCU tournaments. I haven't been to the GCAC, um, which, by the way, we'll have some G, uh, we'll have some GCAC talk. Tougaloo, Tougaloo's head men's basketball coach, Eric Struthers, is going to join us on the program. Tougaloo falling in the Elite Eight to College of Idaho on Wednesday, and uh, so we're going to talk with Eric Struthers. That was a Tougaloo team that was 32-2 and two on the season. But when you talk about tournaments and and specifically CIAA, SIAC, SWAC, and MEAC, the CIAA has it going on hands down. Now, I had never been to the SWAC. It's been many years. As a matter of fact, I haven't been to the MEAC tournament since 2009, its first year in the uh, in, in Winston Salem, but I mean the you know the 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 SWAC. I was it wasn't as well as it wasn't as well attended as I thought maybe it would have been the SIC. I'd been to the SIC before, but up until two weeks ago, I hadn't been in about ten years, and it was an okay attendance. Um, the MIAC, I, I haven't been like I said in a while. Um, I got to imagine that at least this year or the years that Norfolk State has been in it, when it's been at the scope, that it probably was fairly decently attended, but nothing is like the CIAA, the, the week long. I mean, it's nothing like it. There's nothing to compare to the CIAA tournament, not only on championship Saturday, but just throughout the course of the week. There's not a lot of fanfare with the others uh, with the other tournaments. And, I, I you know, again, I, I wanted to see for myself, right? Hadn't seen, been to a SWAC tournament. So it was interesting uh, to kind of see how that played out. But uh, plenty more uh, March Madness and NCAA basketball to talk about today here on the program. Let me set the table for you. Miles Truitt, Miles Truitt plays B. Mickey in the TV series, BMF on Stars. Uh, he also plays in Stranger Things. He's going to join us today here on the program. We're going to talk with him about his career. I'm going to get his thoughts uh, on some NBA as well. I mean, you can look at uh, the NBA as we wind the season down. The playoffs are going to begin next month. And uh, you, John Morant, you look at John Morant, suspended eight games for uh, conduct detrimental uh, to the league, I, I don't, we didn't talk about this uh, last week on the program where he um, uh, went live on Instagram and pulled out a gun. That was so eerie. It was, it was like a very eerie type of scene to me. Very, very strange when it happened. And my initial thought was, man, I mean, I think maybe, and, and I think he alluded to this because he sat down with Jalen Rose uh, for a candid conversation. I thought he was forthright very contrite he took responsibility 
uh, for his actions and some of the things uh, that he's done. As he said, it was some things that he couldn't talk about, but I thought he did a really, really uh, good job. He said he sought some help from a, you know, from a mental uh, capacity, uh, right, which is very, very big. I think a lot of us, particularly as men, uh, that that's not how we operate. Uh, we, we don't operate that way. And I think what came out with John Wall this past summer when we had the exclusive interview with John Wall really uh, shown a light on professional athletes coming out and saying, hey, when I need some help and I need to talk with someone from a mental perspective, it is okay. And so, again, I, I think a lot, I mean, a lot, you know, a lot has happened for John Morant and a lot has happened to John Morant in terms of, um, I, I, from a pressure standpoint, if, I don't know, pressure may be, may not be the, the the best word, but I guess what I mean is, I mean, he's had a lot of great things happen to him in a little bit of time, right? And sometimes you don't know how to sort of harness that energy or how to really deal with all of that. And so you do things uh, like he did now. I mean, it wasn't like he broke the law. Uh, well, uh, in, in a way uh, or, or anything with what he did, uh, but he took responsibility for it. And I thought that was really big uh, for him. And so, um, listen, he's, he, he should be back sometime next week. Uh, the NBA uh, suspended him the eight games, but but some of those, a lot of those games were retro to what the uh, Memphis Grizzlies had already given him. And the Memphis Grizzlies were firm about this when this came out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they said he's going to be away from the team for a while. He agreed, so I'm glad that it worked. That it, there doesn't seem to be any bad um, energy between he, the Grizzlies. He took responsibility. He or the NBA or Adam Silver, for that matter. He said he sat down and met with Adam Silver, who uh, he mentioned the fact. And I and I would suggest that you see this interview uh, that Jalen Rose had with him because I like to see things in their context. And he said, "Hey, you know, Adam Silver was straight up with him." in terms of, you know, what he had done and, 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 and uh, sort of in uh, really the discipline, but also was, um, was, uh, was uh, concerned about John Morant as well and wanted to make sure he was well, and, you know, rightfully so. I mean, John Morant, you know, not only from just uh, Adam Silver seemed to, seeming to be that kind of person, but, I mean, you know, John Morant's success is good for business in the NBA as one of the premier young stars in the league. So uh, good to see uh, John Morant getting the help that he says that he needs. Free agency opened in the National Football League. What has your team, what is your team doing? I, I look at what the Washington Commanders are doing. Uh Taylor Heineke decided to sign with the Atlanta Falcons, which is which is a good thing. I mean, I think he may even have an opportunity at, at some point maybe to start there, which is good for him. Um, I don't know how much of he wouldn't have had much of an opportunity. He may have had an opportunity to start. I doubt it because Sam Howell has already been named QB1, not necessarily the starter, but the commanders bring in Jacoby Brissett, which I think is a good move. Listen, going back to that 2017 season, uh, I think it was after that season that the um, the Colts brought in Phillip Rivers. I, I thought Brissett was good enough. I, I thought he was solid. 
I mean, I think he's still got something left in the tank. Yeah, they, he was 4-7 and seven last year. He had a pretty decent season in terms of the numbers, um, but we'll see. If Sam Howell's not the guy, Jacoby Brissett can be the guy in that offense with Eric Bieniemy as the offensive coordinator. So what did your team do? Hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Still to come here on the program, actor Miles Truitt. And some more NCAA tournament talk. But up next, we're going to be joined by Tougaloo head men's basketball coach Eric Struthers. Welcome to my block. Take a look at my world. Diamond on my block. Has someone in your family lost a job recently and now you can't afford your mortgage payment? Or do you have a rental property and your tenants aren't paying you? We can come to the rescue and pay you cash for your home immediately. Yes, sell your home and get cash all over the phone without dealing with real estate agents or having to waste time showing your home to lukewarm buyers. You don't need to lose your house to foreclosure. If you have equity in your home, we'll buy your home and give you cash within days. All in a simple over-the-phone and virtual process. Call now before your situation gets worse. Sell a home you can't afford or just need anymore and get the cash you need today. Call this number now. Call 800-507-3116. 800 That's 800-507-3116. Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets? Call the low-cost airline travel hotline now for prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. We'll even save you money with cheap travel deals on hotels, rental cars, even complete travel packages. Call us first for the absolute cheapest prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. 800-303-3398. 800-303-3398. That's 800-303-3398. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. It's March Madness, and we're talking March Madness here on Box to Row. We're joined by a gentleman. And his uh, just completed his first season as the head men's basketball coach at Tougaloo. Tougaloo finishing in the Elite Eight of the NAIA tournament, coming up short just a bit, bit against College of Idaho, the number one ranked team in NAIA. But what a season. 32 and 2 ran through the GCAC as tournament champs. As Eric Struthers, again, the head men's basketball coach at Tougaloo, joining us here on Box to Row. Coach Tougaloo, I know it's not the outcome you wanted a couple of days ago against College of Idaho, but what a season for you all. Congratulations and welcome to the program. Thanks, and thanks for having me on. No doubt about it. Tell us how tough. I mean, you know, number one team in the country where you're talking about College of Idaho, uh, how, how tough uh, was this College of Idaho team in the Elite Eight? 
Well, we can go back to the GCAC tournament. Our tournament was really tough because anytime you can beat teams three times in one year, that's pretty good and that's pretty tough. And then we moved into to the Sweet 16. That was a really, really tough competition. And then it just kept getting tougher and tougher. And then when we ran into uh, the university, I mean the College of Idaho, they was really good. And I see why they was ranked number one in the country. And I learned some things uh, from our first-year head coach and, and getting to the tournament. So this was a very learning experience for me. Yeah, speak to the GCAC made up of a lot of um, HBCUs. I mean, you look at – and this was a really good year in terms of HBCUs across the board when it comes to postseason play, particularly for HBCUs. I mean, you look at – you know, you look at your program. Langston finished in the Sweet 16 um, ultimately. Um, uh, well, they, they finished in the Elite Eight. Uh, also, um, you're talking about Philander Smith and others. Just, just speak to how – uh, the GCAC and how tough a conference it is? Well, the, the GCAC is really tough. You talk about Philander Smith and Todd's day team, they was really tough this year. And they was tough last year. They were well-coached, well-disciplined team, and they just played so hard. And it's just hard to beat teams like that three times. You're talking about Dillard, they just got a new head coach. They was really good. And you're talking about Wiley, they just got a new head coach. And they was really good. I thought Wiley – Next to the, the Philander was uh, was the top three teams in our conference, and they gave us a, more problems than anybody. And that shows how tough our conference was. We never we didn't beat nobody double figures in our conference tournament play, but then we moved over to the Sweet 16, was able to beat teams double figures. So that just tell you shows you how tough the GCAC was this year. For you, what did you learn about yourself in your first season? As the head coach of Tougaloo, now you were an assistant coach the previous three seasons. Well, when you know when you you go from uh, making suggestions to making some decisions, uh, and it's always tough to make tough decisions. And I always say, you know, you have to be built for this to make those those hard decisions. And uh, we made some tough decisions, you know, uh, on some things, and uh, that was really tough for me because you got to get used to making those kind of decisions. Eric Struthers in his, uh, just completed his first season as the head men's basketball coach at Tougaloo. Joins us here on Box to Row. Tougaloo finished 32-2 and on the season, finished in the NAIA uh, tournament in the Elite Eight. Um, it's interesting. Uh, you look at a team that's 32-2. and You mentioned the conference, GCAC, very, very tough. I mean, why wasn't, and your school wasn't ranked which I find very interesting. Why was that? Well, I don't really know. I mean, when I talk to the coaches down there at the uh, tournament, they all say they, that we should have been ranked. And I think it's got a lot to do with our rater uh, of our conference that's, that goes in and rate our conference. Because our conference, we had teams that was, that had won 20-some games. You know, for Landon Smith, it was 25-4 and four or something like that. And we had beat them twice. And uh, and Dillard was, uh, was beating teams. They – they had a good record, so uh, I don't know why it was ranked, but uh, that was our motivation, and uh, that was our motivation to win games in this tournament to show people that we should have been ranked this year. And you beat—I mean, you beat some NCAA teams, Lamoine, Owen, Lane, both out of the SIAC. What are what are some of the differences? I mean, between like a Division two and then a, a school like yours, Division one NAIA school. Well, you know, it comes down to money. You know, you got different scholarships. You know, I think uh, in Division Two, Three, they get full scholarships, 
and they get 13 or more in, in uh, NAIA, we want to get four scholarships. And it's just tough to recruit against that kind of uh, schools. Like the the one loss we had was Mississippi College, and they give they give 15 full scholarships. They got the facilities and everything. That was one of our losses, and we lost by three. And then our next loss was uh, you talking about University of Idaho. You know, they got full scholarships. They got the means to do a lot of things that they need to do. So when you talk about those two, them are the only two losses we had, you, you we had a pretty good team. Eric Struthers, the head men's basketball coach at Tougaloo, joins us here on the program. Tougaloo finishing 32-2 and on the season, finished uh, in the Elite Eight of the NAIA tournament. Coach Struthers, let's talk personnel. Tell us who's, who's some of the, you know, the players that really played well for you this season. Well, you got to talk about the two-time player of the year of the GCAC is Cam Copeland. Uh, he's a really good player. I think he, he can play at the next level. Uh, he can play the point. He can play the two. He, and, he, and he can play defense. Then you're talking about we had a shooter, uh, Trajan Fielder, that can really light up the scoreboard. He could shoot it, make shots. And we had a big guy named Daryl Jones that was really good around the basket. Then we had another Division One player, uh, Cameron Woodall, that was really good. And uh, we had some really good players. And uh, my coaching staff were really good. So we put together a really good team. And uh, we was fortunate enough to come out and win some games this year. What are the prospects? I mean, a lot of or some of those guys coming back. What are your prospects in terms of some of the players that are going to return next year, so that you can get at least as far as you got there finishing in the NAIA Elite Eight? Well, well, we lose about eight or nine guys. We lose four starters. And uh, before you called me, I was on the phone talking to a recruit trying to get him to come to Tougaloo. So I've been recruiting for the last three days because this is the time that you lose recruits because most teams not playing and they out recruiting. So I had to get my team ready and still get on the phone and, and, and recruit a lot. So uh, we got to go do – we got to do some work. Uh, we got to get some players, you know. You talk about those players played for me two years and they was used to our system. So we got to go out and get some really good players because the GCAC – they gonna get better. They they saw my team this year, and they gonna recruit to beat Tougaloo. So we're gonna have to do a better job in recruiting and getting players in. Yeah, I mean, how how speak to the speak to recruiting. Let, let's talk a little bit about recruiting because I look up and down your roster. You got quite a few players from Mississippi. You're there either in Jackson or the Jackson area. Um, at least you got quite a few players from the state is that sort of your your home base how, how do you recruit are you a national you're more local what is your recruiting philosophy my 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 philosophy is to get young players and and develop i like to get young players and develop and watch their process and, and let them trust the process and i'm a local person i love to recruit mississippi i think i can get if i can get four or five really good players out of mississippi and then and then put other players around them, i think i can have a really really good core and then we could have a really good team uh, again. You know, we back we back to back GCAC champs, so conference and tournament champs. So we're looking to three peak next year and get back to the national title. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so with that being said, what are what are you missing? What do you what is this roster missing? And and speak to now. Uh, I think you made you know sort of made the point there uh, a while ago. You got to sort. I mean, you now you've got to sort of recruit your guys back to your team. Right, and uh, we got some kids sitting out, and uh, 
like I said, I like to I like to go out to freshmen because I like to I like to teach, you know, and I like to watch the process. I like to see them develop. But we got to go out and get us a, another big guy inside. We got to go out and get us another score. We got to go out and get us another shoot a guy that can really make shots. And then we got to get us a tough kid, a rugged kid that can rebound and defend and guard. Yeah, and this, tell us a little bit. What, what's your background prior to, you know, I know, four years now at Tougaloo, the first year as the head coach. But prior to that, you know, where would you go to school? Where did you coach? All of those kind of good things. Well, I, I, I played at Jackson State, and I played on uh, Coach Carl Andy Stockman, which is one of my mentors. And I talked to him almost once a week or twice a week. He was my head coach, and then I worked for him for 10 years at Jackson State. So I was at Jackson State for 20 years, and then I worked for another guy for 10 at Jackson State named Tavesta Anderson. That he was at uh, Georgia, and then he was also at uh, Auburn. So I, I used those two guys, and I speak with those guys a lot. And then I was at Mississippi Valley for five years under Andre Payne, which uh, was a really good coach. So I just used those three guys, and then I got Coach Billups to still on my staff. And I just use, I they my mentors, and I use a little of their philosophy and put a little of my philosophy on, onto it. And uh, that's why I really, you know, um, can come up with a – and I'm, I'm a basic defensive guy. I'm a defensive coach. I love defense and rebounds and, uh, and pushing the ball. So uh, that's my style. Yeah, you were I, – I, I read you weren't a bad player at Jackson State. <laughs> yeah, I was a decent player. <laughs> yeah, no, you were pretty good actually. Yes. Yeah. What do you remember about those days at at Jackson? And, and again, you're right there. With Tougaloo's either in or right near Jackson, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Right. They're about 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 seven miles apart. Well, during that time in my play, you know, I played with. I don't know if you remember Al Ford that um that went to the NBA. Uh, Lindsey Hunter was on my team, and you had Bobby Fields that was at Southern, Southern uh, yep. Baton Rouge, and then you you know you had a. Uh, we had some really good battles, and then Swag was really good back then, and we had some really good athletes back then, and some good shooters and scores. So, uh, you know, you know, the Swag was really good. So, and uh, I was I was pretty successful, and uh, and uh, and when I look at Tougaloo, I look at them as being a um, a Swag team or, or a low major team that could could beat uh, mid major teams. Eric Struthers in his first season as the head men's basketball coach. At Tougaloo, Tougaloo finishing 32-2 and two on the season, finishing in the NAIA Elite Eight. Coach Struthers, again, I know you wanted to go a little bit further. Nonetheless, 32-32 and 32 is an outstanding season. Congratulations. Uh, we look forward to seeing your program flourish and grow even more under your tenure, and we appreciate your time here on Box to Row. Thank you so much, and go Bulldogs. Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row if you have any thoughts on anything that Eric Struthers had to say. We're switching gears up next. Actor Miles Pruitt. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Steph Curry. Your progress from Davidson to now with Golden State. Where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college at Davidson. Uh, it's a great story, and uh, I'm just having fun you know, living my dream and riding the ride. That, of course, the voice of Bianca Belair. EST is in the building. That's what Sasha Banks and I are going to do. We're going to uh, WrestleMania. We're going to create history. We're going to be the first two black females to have a title match at WrestleMania. I would say representation is it's not a request. It's a requirement. And I'm going to, to try to become SmackDown Miss Champion. 
but it's more than just creating a moment and becoming a champion. Just by us standing in the ring, we are representation for women and for black women. And so that's an amazing feeling to be able to be that, be that person and be on that platform and the greatest of them all and, and be able to create history. It's just, it's an honor. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. I'm excited I get to play for them. They support us in everything we do. You know, it's a joy to, you know, go to work and, and know that you're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to cheer for you as loud as they can, no matter who you're playing. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused, just really, you know, excited. Rob Manfred is the commissioner of Major League Baseball. Players that have been accused in their career of using performance-enhancing drugs, should they be in the Baseball Hall of Fame? I'm going to focus on one word in your question, okay? Accused. Players who have tested positive or there's otherwise been real solid proof that they were involved with performance-enhancing drugs, I think that Hall of Fame writers are entitled to make their own judgment about those players as to whether they think that performance-enhancing drugs or their use of performance-enhancing drugs should prevent them from being in the Hall of Fame. You cannot determine who used performance-enhancing drugs by the way a player looks. It's simply not possible. The one and only Michael Strahan. Always good to talk to you. Hopefully next time it won't be, what, 14 years. <laughs> encouraging people to be better and do better and, and that's what i love man so thank you i appreciate you i'm talking about none other than common well i ended up in sam just because i wanted to major in business and sam you had the illustrious school of business then i found out that business was the key that's what i wanted to do nba all-star chris paul that was great to bring it back to one salem state university uh black college something that my city had never seen before may never see again and just having a up close and personal feeling with LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Mellows. It was exciting. I'm grateful for those guys coming out. He is Stephen A. Smith. Congratulations on all the things y'all have done. Congratulations. Keep up the hard work. Went to Salem State. I had an absolute ball. The only part that was bad uh, was the basketball because my first year there, I cracked my kneecap in half. If I had one thing that I could do over, it would be that I would be there 100% healthy so I could really showcase what I could do. But outside of that, there's absolutely nothing that I would have changed. It was the greatest years of my life. Simone Biles. I guess I just go in there with a positive, open mind of just doing what we do in training and going out there and doing the best that we can do and just have fun with it. I didn't really think of the outcome, but I knew that we had been training hard and we were re- we were just ready. Greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown. Muhammad Ali was a principal person in the country at the time, and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because it was against his religion. He called all the top black athletes together, along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city. So. I'm glad you brought that particular incident up. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man, thank you for having me, play in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. Still, you football league has done so many wonders. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have grown to Division One. Kyrie Irving. Playing at Duke for Coach K. What was that like and how that prepared you for the league now? Playing 11 games, you know, a lot of people think that's not a... A big package for you to become a better player, but for me it was playing for Coach K. He gave me the keys to, to the car, and I was driving it in the first eight games. And you know, being a part of something special like that, and having a brotherhood built at an institution such as that one, is an experience that you never forget. Ice Cube has been our guest. Hey man, thanks for letting me talk a little music, movies, and sports. Hey, my favorite three topics.
Hey everybody, what's going on? This is Anthony Anderson, international movie star and funny mother. And you're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's From the Press Box to Press Row, real, relevant, radio. Let's continue here. We're joined by a young man. As a matter of fact, you've seen him in BMF. He plays the role of B. Mickey, but you've also seen him in a number of other things, including Stranger Things, which I don't even know he was in. My daughter and my sister love Stranger Things. <laughs> you've seen him in Queen Sugar and Black, Black Lightning and others. He is Miles Truett. He joins us here. So what's going on, Miles? I need you to introduce me more, man. I love that, man. That was that was good. That was good. Not much, man. I'm great, man. I'm great over here in the ATL, man. No, it's good. You know, you know what I was thinking. I and and I mean, I'm I'm just saying, be Mickey. You you played a role great. First of all, I, I think all of the actors are good, but for me, the role you play is different than everybody else. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. And I'll tell you why. But I found it. You were only t- you're only 21. You look and at least as be Mickey older. Wow. Then that to me, especially when I look at some of the other um, things you played in. So but yeah. let, let's talk about B. Mickey's character, man. Tell us who B. B. Mick or B. Mickey is. First of all, B. Mickey is a human being. You know, uh, I feel like as an audience, as a as a fan, um, as a person that comes from the D, um, he's such a relatable character. He plays that regular everyday hood gang mobster that you would see on the corner but you don't see the relationship or the people you know saying the people or experiences that he goes home to you know that they go home to right now b mickey is second in command this season um he's been given a position that terry has left and now he's just trying to find how he can accept it in a way you know and be accepted from the others surrounded by him B. Mickey is a soldier to the fullest, right? Like he had to put Cato down yeah. in season one. I mean, that was like, that was so crazy, man. Just just speak, how, how much did you know about BMF prior to taking this or playing this role? It called me Big Meech. Larry Hoover, <laughs> like that's all I knew, man. Like, for real. <laughs> honestly, but um, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I had different glimpses and, 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 and experiences and stories that have been told to me ever since I was 15, 17, growing up, you know. But um, I really didn't have a grasp or understanding of really who they were and where they came from and what they did to make the name as big as it is now. And um, it was such a learning experience for me just filming this show. And I love being able to go back in time. I love nostalgia and just understand different different experiences of different people that have such a a caliber of a position in, in this world, you know, and, and an impact on people that look like me, you know, and it was, it was an incredible experience being a part of this project and, and knowing that there's going to be people that wore the type of clothes and had the type of lingo and listen to the type of music that, you know, saying that, that, that all incorporated from that era. Um, it was, it was a lot of fun, man. I, I couldn't, I couldn't ask for anything more. No doubt. Now, the season three is being is is currently being filmed, correct? Yes, it's going good, man. It's going good. Uh, we got people coming back from L.A. You know, uh, 
who got just casted? Neo got casted. We got um, who's coming back? Who's coming? Uh, what was it two chains? Yeah, two, two chains. chains. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we trying to build the cast, man. Trying to build the cast so we can compete, man. For sure, for sure. Yeah, and you talked about some of the 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 clothing, right? And the hairstyles. You got the whole part. You two, you got the whole part. Oh, I, I remember it. back in that had the whole half moon thing going. You know what I mean? Really, but- they was gonna do that. That's crazy because there was so many different type of hairstyles that were that could have been incorporated, not with just my character, but that was incorporated with so many other characters in the um, hair and makeup trailer. Like I would be sitting in my hair and makeup trailer and look at the wall and just see the part down the line and down the head, the swoop, you feel me? The part that go all the way right here, the big afros, the the pat down afros, the perms, you know? Um, I just love educating myself and being able to go back in time, you know? So it was fun. We, we were honing down on all that when it came down to the lingo, the clothes, the style, because as an audience, you got people watching it from Atlanta. You got people watching it from LA. You got people watching it from Columbia. But the main people we knew that were going to be watching it was the people from the D. So we had to get certain exterior shots. We had to put the Sergio's on. We had to get the Adidas tracksuits. We had to make sure the bucket hats were to a T. We had to make sure the Cadillacs and the Mercedes Benz and to the Mustangs was out there, you know, and in real. So the audience and the fans would be watching it and not question what they're watching. Be be as authentic and real as possible. And I feel like that's what we pinpointed the most this season. Yeah, BMF is definitely real. Miles Truitt plays the role of B. Mickey on BMF. Check it out each and every week on Stars as he joins us here. How much, Miles, did you know about the various fashions, the music, all of those things, et cetera, prior to this role? I know a lot. I know a lot when it came down to that's when it came down to the music the hairstyles the clothing my whole life i've been in 88 in between 88 and 82 you know my first thing i started was new edition story you know we was in roxbury park clothing you feel what i'm saying so you know i'm saying gravitating you know i'm saying towards that i did an atlanta episode you know that was in i was in 88 89 you know i did i did stranger things 86 you feel what I'm saying? Through 88. Now I'm in BMF. We're going through 83 all the way through 89. You know, I just feel like I I was born in that era. You know, when it came down to just the lingos, the style, the clothing, the cars, the music, the women. You know what I'm saying? So it was it was fun. I love I love nostalgia. I love it. I love it. I love it because we're, we're restricted to a certain extent when it comes to dialogue in these books. You know, and growing up, all I knew about was Harriet Tubman. Uh, slavery and Martin Luther King, you know, and we're so much more than that, you know. So going back to New Edition and learning about Ronnie DeVoe and Brooke Payne and and the trials and tribulations that they had to go through during that time, you know, and and and, and gravitating towards now to the project that I'm in now, the fact that I was able to move from that environment to the D, you know, and experience that as well in that same era, I love that because I, I would have never known if I didn't pull myself a part of this project no doubt back to to be to be mick right he is this this the dynamic right now yeah. of loyalty to bmf it maybe maybe more specifically to meech and then steve harris's character right yeah. like you like be mick be mick was in the trunk like he had he had him locked up in, so 
can you kind of kind of speak to that? Because like I said, man, I really I feel like you're really playing this role. I feel sometimes I really feel for B. Mickey and the and the dichotomy between Meech and Steve Harris's character, if you will. Yeah, um, it was an experience for me, a, a very much a learning experience for me playing two characters in one. You know, and that's where I I've never done that before in my career. I've been doing this for almost a decade now. And I had to find that soft spot, you know, and navigate how am I going to be as authentic as possible to Meech and show that loyalty, but also be able to cross those barriers with Detective Bryant and protect my protect my character's self, protect my character's family, you know, and my, my character's freedom. I just had to just find my I just had to navigate that, you know, and it was fun, though. It was fun. I had Randy being very hands on me, had to being very hands on me. Every director, Slick, you know, Aoife, all those and all those guys, they were really hands on me. Just just trying to pull out that that aesthetic out of being Mickey to where it's real. You know what I'm saying? He's and where you can see him playing both sides. But Meech and Detective Bryant don't, you know. Let, let, let me switch gears, talk about Stranger Things. Like, I haven't seen you in it. My, my, my wife and daughter love Stranger Things. I haven't yeah. haven't seen it. I, I didn't even know you were in it until I was doing the research. It's kind of um weird. I don't I don't know. I don't know if that's I mean, I don't want to. But I'm just saying it's kind of a weird. But I've sat there and watched it uh, yeah. before. To speak to that. You play the, play this role of Patrick in Stranger Things. Yeah. Um. I was actually filming Stranger Things the same time I was filming BMF, literally. Like, I would film three days on BMF, then I'll go two days, you know what I'm saying, to Stranger Things, four days on Stranger Things, one day on BMF. And um, just going back and forth from those different sets, uh, it was different. It was different for me because I was playing a basketball player. Um, His name was Patrick. Um, He befriended Lucas, you know what I'm saying, on the basketball team. And... um, he just had a lot of different experience, treacherous experiences for him. Um, and it, it was fun, though. I, I've always wanted to work again with the Duffer Brothers and Sean Levy because um, they helped produce my first film, which was called Ken. And I actually filmed that in Detroit as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's all full circle for me, man. It was all it was a full circle experience for me. Um, I love sci-fi. I love drama. And um, that was all incorporated in um, Stranger Things with my character as well. I love being able to bring characters that look like me to shows that you really wouldn't able to see all the time. Uh, and uh, that was my main objective, regardless of what my character was or storyline. I, I needed to, we need to see more, you know what I'm saying, more of us. And uh, it was a lot of fun filming that, man. Water tank, water tank scenes, stunt scenes, doing my own stunts. I had to do uh, a seven hour life body casting. Like it was crazy. It was a crazy, incredible experience. Phenomenal, man. I couldn't ask for anything more. You, and what's, what's crazy. So you've got, I'm sure you've got a, a variance of fans, right? You've got the BMF folk. That's like, you know, and, and it's gotta be two different, even though I don't know Patrick, I'm, I'm a, I have to assume it had to be two different, two different, way different characters. Yeah, I would assume yeah. that. Right. Yeah. And then you've got these stranger things fans right you like you got fan you got all kind of fans uh 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 coming up to you probably a, a good amount of the time because this stranger things stranger things is kind of serious like it's people watch this program watch it man people watch it man and I, I, that's the main reason why i wanted to be a part of that project as well um not only because it was in 86 and i was being able to go back to that genre but 
you don't get you don't get to see a lot of people that look like me a part of those type of projects and um i just wanted to bring that to the table that we could do it too you feel me and um just a little bit of representation when it came to that film so definitely a couple of more thoughts with miles truitt check him out uh bmf he plays the role of b mickey it comes out each and every week speak to just your career, man. And, you know, you played in, you know, you played, you mentioned Atlanta, Queen Sugar. I remember seeing you in that, uh, you know, Black Lightning. Uh, yeah. and, and just how your career is on the rise. Man, I'm just drunk. Just being consistent is my main goal. You know, I started when I was 11. I'm 21 now. So I've been doing this for almost a decade. Um, just I, I ain't trying to be too stagnant. You know, I want to be a superhero. I want to be a villain. I want to be a civil rights activist. You know, there's so many roles that revolve around what I can play um, and a wide variety of, you know, what I'm saying what I can grasp. And I'm I'm very much looking forward to that, man. This entertainment, this entertainment business don't wait for you. You know, so when it comes down to me, creative directing, producing and also being in front of that camera, man, I'm looking forward to it. So make sure y'all look out. Definitely. Last thought. Are, are you a big sports fan? Huge sports fan. Who your who your team? Oh, I'm Back. Washington. I'm from Washington. So the Commanders, the Wizards. Okay. Capitals, okay. Know. What about you? ATL man. I'm a I'm a Hawks fan. I'm a Hawks fan. I used to be a Clippers fan until they let go of their big three: Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, yep. Jamal Crawford. So they let go of them. They not a. They wasn't a team no more. They wanted to pick up Kawhi and Paul George. So I was like, ah, I'm gonna go back today. I'm big ATL. We got Clint Capella, John Collins, DeJounte Murray, Trey Young. I'm cool with that, man. I'm cool with that. Sounds good. Well, Miles Truitt again. Check him out. B. Mickey in BMF joins us here. Miles, appreciate the time. Continued success in all you do. Thank you, Donnell. I appreciate you, bro. You heard him right there. Miles Truitt, a big Atlanta Hawks fan. We'll be right back. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer. The neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsborough. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets? Call the low-cost airline Travel Hotline now for prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. We'll even save you money with cheap travel deals on hotels, rental cars, even complete travel packages. Call us first for the absolute cheapest prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. 800-303-3398. 800-303-3398. That's 800-303-3398. It's Donald Ware, from the press box to press row. 
We're back here on Box to Row. If you want to participate here on the conversation, hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. In the last segment, talk with Miles Truitt, actor Miles Truitt, big Atlanta Hawks fan, uh, as a matter of fact. And uh, speaking of the Atlanta Hawks, had a chance to be in Atlanta on Friday for the Hawks and Golden State game. Good time um, at that game. So looking at, I, I, I was actually nine and seven um, after day one, nine and seven after day one in my bracket, which isn't, I mean, that's not great. Like that's not great. As a matter of fact, in my final four, I have Alabama, Marquette, UCLA, and Xavier. And I mean, we talked about some of those really, really big, uh, the big upsets with the Princeton uh, win. I mean, that, that, you know, I mean, that can't be overstated. Um, Princeton's victory over Arizona, uh, a 15-2 uh, and two matchup. It's kind of hard. I mean, that's not a – that's not that, – that doesn't happen a whole lot. And, of course, UVA's loss uh, to Furman. 13-4 and four matchups can be kind of tricky. Um, but I, I never saw – Furman beating UVA. Now, I, I get it. UVA vulnerable. I mean, you, you you look at what UVA went through. I mean, let's not forget. I mean, it was an emotional time uh, this year uh, in a lot of respects for the university as a whole with those uh, three students and a student, a couple of, I think all three, maybe student athletes uh, that were killed to an emotional time. Um, you know, but UVA, again, the game is evolving when you're talking about college basketball as a whole. So UVA style uh, probably going to have to evolve a little bit as well. You can go back. And, 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 and again, the way that UVA plays makes them vulnerable. It's a defense. So you can play great defense, but if a team has a really good offense that day or is, an, is a superior offensive team particularly now I mean because when you're talking about UVA winning that national championship that was three years ago I mean the game even from three years ago has changed and uh, so but but again I mean I you know I don't want to take anything away from Furman I think it was a really really good win it, it, I mean I think it was a really really good win and an important win for Furman who uh, hadn't won, I think, what, an NCAA game since like 1974 when you had, when the NIT was was really a big deal uh, as well, maybe as big as the NCAA tournament. I don't know about the 70s, but anyway, the NIT at one time was a really, really big deal. So uh, give Furman certainly a lot of credit. One of the teams that I did not pick, and I mean, I, sh- I should be ashamed uh, for not picking them, was I did not pick Maryland, my hometown team, the team I grew up rooting for. I did not pick Maryland against West Virginia. And and listen, Maryland had to come back from a deficit to pull out that victory over West Virginia, so give the Terps some credit there. I just thought, I, I, I the listen, the Terps had a really, really good season, okay? The young kid, as a matter of fact, is uh, – uh, is the son of one of my classmates at Springbrook, right? So I mean, you know, obviously I'm going to root for him when I went, uh, you know, uh, when I was in high school, Springbrook High School. So obviously I'm going to root for him 
Um, and I'm, I'm always going to root for the Terps, but I just felt like the Terps had – Maryland had some good moments this year. I mean, they're playing in a pretty tough conference in the – big, pretty tough. It's a tough conference in the Big Ten, um, nationally ranked at, at one time. You, you got Kevin Willard, you know, in his first season there, so he's trying to build. And um, uh, listen, I, I just felt like with West Virginia, I just felt like Bob Huggins has been there before I mean Bob Huggins may be he may be and I you know it, it, well I'll put it like this one of the best coaches in college basketball history to never win an a, a national championship I mean you remember his years you know at Cincinnati when Cincinnati was just on fire coming out of really uh, nowhere and then of course has had some really good runs as the head coach at West Virginia just hasn't quite been able to get over the hump in terms of winning that national championship. If I'm not mistaken, I, I believe West Virginia under his tutelage was in, in at least an elite eight, uh, but he's done a good job. He's a really good coach. I just felt like that aspect of it would have taken over. And, and look, uh, uh, give the Terps credit, came back, uh, really, really came back from a deficit to win that basketball game. I mean, uh, you know, the Duke and Oral Roberts wasn't, a, you know, I mean, it wasn't a big deal. I mean, I definitely picked Duke. I think Duke was playing well um, uh, down the stretch. Um, but, you know, maybe Duke, I mean, you know, maybe Duke is now, I, I, I have Duke actually losing prior to the Sweet 16 um, to Tennessee, and those two teams are going to meet um, on Saturday. But, Maybe this is a Duke team that is a little bit more formidable than I even thought, and we'll see. You know, ten, I mean, you know, Tennessee's got a, got a got a really really good squad. I mean, it's just you know, it it, 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 it this year in uh, college basketball. I mean, there's no clear cut number one. I mean, if every almost every week you looked at this thing, there was a new number one team, whether it was Alabama whether it was Purdue, whether it was Houston. Um, I think Kansas may have been in that mix as well. I mean, there were just uh, – it was just one of those years where there was no clear-cut number one team. Like, uh, you know, last year, if you look – was it was it Gonzaga? At least most of the season last year. And listen, it just wasn't that way necessarily uh, this year. So – um, you know, good basketball. It's a, you know, it, it's a good, it's a great time. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all about the, this in terms of the format, much better than the college football playoff. And and really adding those four teams gives an opportunity for some other teams to to come in and to be a participant. Um, one of the interesting things, I mean, I look at uh, if if we looked at at who got in and who didn't. I, I And we're right here in Raleigh. I look at North Carolina State. And North Carolina State got in as a number 11 seed. Now, there was only one other team um, that was out of a, uh, a major conference, uh, if you will, because, I mean, listen, you know, Power 5 really legitimately is for football. We say Power 5 schools when we're talking about basketball. Well, guess what? I mean, the Big East is 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 in that conversation. The Big East doesn't have football, but the Big East is one of the best conferences 
uh, in the land, especially when you're talking about the Division One men's basketball tournament. So, you know, the AAC is very good. You look at Houston, um, you look at Memphis, right? Those are really good programs. So, but anyway, when you talk about big schools, NC State at a number 11 seed getting in, there was one other school that was an 11 seed that was a major, out of a major conference, the, the the school is escaping me, although they did. You had a couple of play-ins uh, with some of the major schools uh, at 11 seeds. But I'm just talking about that that just got in and didn't have to do a play-in type of situation or a first four in, uh, if you will. And a lot of people said, and I think rightfully so, how does NC State or North Carolina State get in over Clemson? They had identical records. They say it's hard to beat a team three times in a season and not for Clemson. Clemson beat NC State three times, including taking the Wolfpack out in the ACC tournament. And the games weren't even close. All of them were double digits. I think one, at least least one, I think two were 20-point victories by Clemson. Yet, Clemson is out and North Carolina State is in. I mean, if if I had to pick one or the other, I mean, and I get it, some of the, you look at some of the in-depth numbers and all of that, you know, whatever. I mean, you know, that's fine. We're trying to rank teams and figure out who's supposed to be in the tournament. But clear cut to me, if you're saying between those two, now, if you want to say both of them deserve to get in, fine. If you want to say both of them deserve to be out, fine too. But no way in the world, North Carolina State can be an over Clemson. Now, I get it. You got the metrics and, you know, NC State maybe had a tougher schedule and BPI and all these kind of things. I mean, I don't need all that. You beat them three times, right? That's all I need to know. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll you know, that that's one of those um, kind of head scratchers, and we'll have some of those. But I think overall the committee did a good job, and I think overall the committee did a good job in terms of the seedings. At this point, the H, our HBCUs are out. Listen, I, I talked about the SWAC tournament my first time last week, and it was a really, really good basketball game between Grambling and Texas Southern for the SWAC tournament championship. Listen, this is a Grambling team that uh, won the uh, won the SWAC uh, this year. It was a team uh, for Texas Southern that was down uh, this year, yet you got to put the Johnny Jones effect in and factor that in for a Texas Southern, which I think enabled, and again, throughout the course of that SWAC tournament championship game, Grambling was down, 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 kind of stayed in it. Texas Southern could have blown them out, missed some free throws, missed a bunch of free throws. Grambling comes back. I think Grambling may have even taken the lead, you know, maybe with about five minutes remaining, um, but it just wasn't enough. And, uh, you know, Texas Southern valiant effort effort against uh, Fairleigh Dickerson, uh, but it just wasn't it, it, this just wasn't as talented a team for Texas Southern as we've seen in years past. Uh, meanwhile, you look at Howard. I mean, you know that. I mean, you know, it, it's a tough, it's a tall task for Howard to have to play um, a number one seed, and uh, you know, obviously couldn't get it done. But uh, again, two really good seasons uh, for both Texas Southern and Howard. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. Thank you to Miles Truitt, actor Miles Truitt, for joining us today here on the program. Also, thank you to Tougaloo 
head men's basketball coach Eric Struthers for joining us on the program as well. For more information on Box to Row, log on to our website, BoxToRow.com. And for our Project Radio Boss, you can log on to our website, Radio-Boss.com. And always remember to support those that support Yo, Box to Row is produced by DW Communications.